Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya Georgetown basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and special guest today, one of all-time greatest players in Georgetown, I've got Devontae Smith-Rivera. Devontae, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Hey, so, you know, I follow you on Instagram, pretty pretty good follow, and I'm going to be honest, I did not know about your new career And just recently, you have dropped a single, uh, DSR, No Names. I don't know if a lot of people know that you went this route. Let's let's just sort of talk about that. How long have you been into music, and how did that sort of come about? Yeah, so I've uh, I've always been into music. I mean, even as a kid, I you know I liked a lot of artists. I listened to a lot of um, you know a lot of artists coming up. Obviously, I love Michael Jackson. He's an Indiana guy as well. you know, just the, the culture of it, you know, obviously um, music has always been a part of like sports, um, you know, whatever genre you choose to get you, you know, in that state of mind to, you know, perform at a high level. So um, it's kind of always been a part of me. I felt like at Georgetown, you know, I would go to the studio sometimes with uh, one of my former teammates, Jabril Trowick, uh, which was super cool because, you know, I never had too many of my friends, you know, who play basketball as well. Um, you know, like that kind of art or want to do it, actually. So that was kind of like my first true experience getting in, like, the studio at Georgetown. And then after that, obviously, like, you know, I just kind of started to take it serious as soon as I was done with basketball. So, yeah, man, I'm excited. So I got a chance. um, I listened, I think, on Apple Music, but I know it was on Spotify as well. Talk to me about No Names. Is Is this your first single? Yeah, so it's not my... It's Actually, it is my first single, but not my first, like, project. So okay. um, I had an EP that I put out before, um, which you call Pre-Game, which, you know, kind of resembled, like, that college lifestyle, obviously, Georgetown-inspired, just, um, you know, having fun when you get the opportunity and living a, you know, a normal social life on campus at, at any college, really. And then No Names is more of, like, a, uh experience, um, kind of, like, in the moment and some things that I deal with on a daily, like, right now and i think a lot of people will really enjoy it just the the vibe of the track it's not you know too aggressive but it also gives you a perspective just on you know like what's the best place for for people to follow you and keep up with what's going on yeah well at the moment i'm usually just on instagram for the most part so at dsr43 number four number three yeah you guys can follow me there i'll be having a lot more like music and content and stuff that'll be up soon i think it's you know it's only going to get better um, are you working towards an entire album or is this going to be singles what how could you kind of just take me through that well uh right now you know we are in the works of like creating an album and officially getting you know my first album out there but we do have a lot of tracks a lot of songs that we just you know we love and that we think that people will appreciate you know right now we're just focusing on you know no names was released on the fourth and then actually on my birthday, December 20th, I'm coming out with another track called My 21st. Now, it's not it's not necessarily My 21st, <laughs> but that is the name of the song. And I think, man, it, it kind of tells you, you know, in a way by just the title alone. So, uh, you know, I think I think you guys will enjoy it. Well, let me just tell you, Devontae, I'm a lot older than you. And as we get older, we like to always say that it's our 21st. So absolutely. There you go. (laughs) I think I think that I think that that uh, makes a lot of sense. As far as as far as as far as basketball, like I was telling you a little bit earlier, you were actually one of the first players, first Georgetown recruited players that 
when I was working for a website that unfortunately is not there anymore. So I couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. But I thought I, you were part of the class of my first class at Peach Jam, and you're obviously one of the bigger recruits in the country. Mm-hmm. If you could kind of take me back to when you decided to go to Georgetown, I know that I think I want to say that you were possibly verbal to Xavier. I remember talking mm-hmm. to some Xavier guys. You ended up at Georgetown, and a lot of people yeah. have questions now just with recruiting. How how important is is the head coach in recruiting, and how important are those relationships with the assistants? Um, I would say it's very important. I mean, that's, you know, a life-changing decision for, you know, any young athlete or, you know, anyone who aspires to be in a position like that. I think, you know, having a relationship with the head coach is very important. You know, me and Coach Thompson, Coach Thompson actually, you know, hadn't really had a chance to come see me too much when I was in high school. It was more so the assistant coaches who were there at the, uh, at the time. Kenya Hunter was a big part of that. Who uh, He's at Indiana University, ironically now, which is... Yeah. <laughs> 40 yeah. minutes up the road. So, but yeah, he, you know, he was a big part of that. So, you know, I give him a lot of props. And then obviously JT3, our relationship, I would say developed, you know, over time and being at Georgetown. And I would say I fell in love with it the more I was there. Like before, I would say before I actually committed to Georgetown, I had to become a little bit more knowledgeable just about the history of it. Obviously, you know, I know the players and, you know, only the basketball players, but, you know, I didn't know you know, how highly touted Georgetown was, you know, just as a as an educational institution. So I was very uh, high on that, you know, the more I learned about it. And then eventually, like I said, when I got there, you know, I just fell in love with it. That's, that's pretty interesting. So you're, you're one of the higher rated recruits from out of the area, Georgetown in that period. Well, I guess mm-hmm. Otto right before you, but Georgetown had been doing a good job getting the local kids and mm-hmm. I think a lot of the fans, you know, they get concerned about, you know, there's no one there's well, there is McDonough, but just, you know, the environment of Georgetown and, you know, playing downtown. And did mm-hmm. that did that appeal to you? And do you think that is that that's a big deal for uh, kids? You know, the idea of playing down there that's now Capital One Arena. Yeah, I um I would say, you know, there's pros and cons to every situation. I think yeah. um the pros obviously the pros are, you know, playing at the Verizon at the time, which was like to me was like pretty much playing in the NBA, <laughs> you know, when yeah. you're inside that arena and thought it was pretty cool. I felt like we had the opportunity for a lot of people to see us that probably may have not, you know, had the opportunity if we played at McDonough, which is on campus. And vice versa. I think, you know, if if they were on campus, more of the, you know, student body would also join the games. I think they'd, you know, be a little bit more of a, I say, cohesive, like, community, you know what I'm saying? But with yeah. it being at the, at the Verizon Center or whatever, it's like, there is that kind of, like, distance a little bit, you know what I mean, just from some of your peers, which I wish it was the other way around, because I thought, you know, the people at Georgetown were pretty cool, so. <laughs> so, in my head, I was telling you before this, I'd started covering Georgetown just a little bit before you got there. Mm-hmm. And you were one of those just really great four-year college players when I was going. And in my head, I, I knew that you were one of the top scorers. But for everyone listening mm-hmm. and, you know, even some of the younger kids out there, Devontae Smith-Rivera is the fifth all-time leading scorer at Georgetown, which, by the way, means the only guys that have more points than this guy is Sleepy Floyd, Patrick Ewing, Reggie Williams and Alonzo Mourning. That's a very good list to surround yourself with. Most all-time three-pointers in school history. And every year that you were there, you were on some sort of all-team. You were an all-freshman selection. You were a two-time all-second team. You made the first team once. 
And you're actually Georgetown's last last player to make an all Big East tournament team, which came in 2015. You were on wow. that 2013 team, that the last Georgetown team that won the Big East regular season. You were on the last NCAA tournament team in 2015. So I know I've seen you at a couple games uh, recently, mm-hmm. but obviously I know that you're not you're not you're not totally local. So I wanted to just in case mm-hmm. there's anyone listening that doesn't know your place in Georgetown history, I think it's important just just to get that out there. I appreciate it. <laughs> One of the things that comes up in Georgetown just they just beat St. John's. They had they had a freshman mm-hmm. Dante Harris who was he was all, the all Big East freshman of the week. Something that always mm-hmm. comes back to me because, like I said, I got to talk to you multiple times when you were at when you were at Peach Jam, and people in the media talk about it. But it's good to get a perspective of someone like you who was an important part your freshman year. Do you think the not talking to the media until January is a big deal? Or is that just something people like me like to bring up as something to sort of pick on? Do you think that that's um, important? I think, well, I'll say this. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, I'll say fine. this. I yeah. think when, when you know, players come in as freshmen, I think they should be able to talk to the media. I think they also should be able to be advised or – you know, helped out in a situation where if they don't know how to talk to the media, there's someone there to help them. I don't think that you should avoid it or not talk to the media because you're a freshman when there's freshmen who are potential NBA lottery picks these days. So I don't think that really, you know, makes sense. But, you know, some coaches, like I said, you know, want to control that scenario or think it's best for the kid or whatever. But at the same time, you know, there's 18-year-old rookies this year that are (laughs) – you know, about to do a lot of interviews just based off of the simple fact that they're drafted into the NBA. So I think it's, I think it's more of a preparation thing. I think you should be prepared, you know, as a freshman or whenever you get to college, that should be like a thing for sure. And, and, you know, I think too, I mean, I don't know when the first time someone wrote an article about you, but I'm guessing it might've been an eighth or ninth grade. Mm -hmm. It is like, like I said, it is kind of, it's interesting when I got to talk to you all that summer, but then I knew, I wouldn't be able to talk to you until January, whenever, you know, it, it kind of made sense getting to that. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, like I said, I'd seen you, I knew that it was going to, it was going to work out your first game. I don't know if you can remember this far back, your first game, mm-hmm. literally Otto gets hurt and it's mm-hmm. sort of, you know, you kind of get tapped on the shoulder and you, and you know, it was a game against Duquesne. You ended up leading, mm-hmm. leading boys in uh, scoring. I'm sure you've got a lot of memories. Do you, do you, do you remember that one? Uh, I remember, I remember a few <laughs> segments of the game. I wouldn't say, yeah. I wouldn't say all of it necessarily, but I do remember, you know, getting that opportunity for sure. And yeah, I just wanted to run with it. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously you had a great career. Are there any moments that stick out more than others? I know there's obviously there's team moments and then there's, mm-hmm. there's a DSR moments, mm-hmm. you know, for me, even though you guys didn't make the tournament your sophomore year, I still mm-hmm. think, you know, obviously, you know, Winnington was hurt before the season started and mm-hmm. Josh Smith became ineligible second semester. Jabril got hurt. But there was a period where you and Markel Starks were just just putting on a show every night. I mean, it, you knew it was coming. You know, mm-hmm. the season I know didn't end up the way you would have liked it to. But for me, even though that wasn't, you know, 13 and 15 were better team seasons, that to me was like, man, like, you know, these guys can go, particularly you and Markel. Do you have any sort of yeah. just overall moments from – your time at Georgetown? Uh, I would say, you know, as a team, I thought my freshman year was definitely um, a crazy run for us. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't it didn't end 
uh, necessarily, you know, how we wanted to, but I just thought it was definitely a, a coming out party for me, obviously. Mm-hmm. Auto Porter was just like unbelievable. And then, you know, we had Mark Hill Starks, who was kind of like our head, you know, guy, and he was the leader and, you know, the vet on the team pretty much. And, um, you know, I would, I would recall Greg Whittington didn't play with us uh, that year, but, you know, just competing against those guys every day. I mean, it was very uh, challenging for me. And I mean, if, if I can compete with, you know, two, uh, six ten, six nine shooting guards. You know what I mean. I, I feel like uh, once I got in the game, I was like, man, these dudes are too little. Like, so you know, that was kind of how I felt about that season. And obviously, winning the Big East championship, um, my freshman year, that was you know just crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I thought we had a, a lot of highlights uh, collectively. You know, at that point, I would say for you know my personal you know, list or whatever, or things that, you know, I can really uh, talk about it. I would say becoming the all-time leading uh, three-point, you know, was it shots made? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I would say that, you know, that was a pretty crazy experience and something for me. And then um, hitting that 1,000-point uh, mark, I thought that was pretty cool. You came you came really yeah. close to hitting the 2,000 mark. Yeah, I, I I believe I would have if if we made if we made the tournament my senior year for sure. I you know I, I yeah. thought I would have uh, would have uh, passed that, but you know it was it was great, man. I mean, a lot of those experiences are just you know uh, I don't I don't really sit and you know think about them too much just because you know I consistently just work and do other stuff now. But you know I, I'm sure one day I'll really reflect on it and like sit down and just like you know remember each you know play each little moment or something that I you know that I did but you know I'm grateful for it all for sure well you know that's the whole point of podcasts like this so guys like me can bring it up you know I assume you're not uh, sitting around you know thinking about that you've got all this stuff going on to me I think I think it was your junior year you had a game-winning shot in the Bahamas against Florida Mm -hmm. pretty big deal and then I want to say you blocked roosevelt jones at the buzzer so you basically you basically closed the game and i'm not so Mm -hmm. that to me is like that season showed that you could do it on do it on uh both ends so georgetown now obviously you know they're kind of they're they're kind of still trying to build back up under uh, patrick ewing we had an instance this year where matt mcclung announced to go pro and he most people thought he was going to come back and he did, but he's, he's not at Georgetown. And I want to relate this to you in that you kind of shocked people a little bit. I think after your junior year, people were very sad. You were going to leave happy for you, but sad if they're a Georgetown follower, you ended up coming back without getting into, I mean, all the specifics. Can you kind of just let me know and let, let listeners know what is it like when a player does that? Like, you know, you kind of, you're, are you dealing with Thompson at that time? Or do you wake up one morning, you talk with your parents and you say, Hey coach, I need to come see you. And you decide, Hey, look, I want to put my name in there. Can you kind of just tell us sort of how that, how that works? Yeah. So uh, for me, it was kind of like, you know, I didn't talk to anyone at first. I'll be honest. Like I was just like, kind of like to myself and, you know, obviously I was a ways away from home, but, you know, being at Georgetown, I was just kind of like, man, like, this is a decision that's for me, you know, essentially. So I have to really, you know, feel comfortable with it and really trust it and really, you know, believe in what I'm doing. And I felt like, you know, coming off of my junior season that I was, you know, more than ready. And I, you know, I felt that I would say I felt that after my sophomore year too. But, you know, I just, uh, after talking with my parents, you know, 
they were just like, yeah, you know, we'll maybe stick around for another year. You guys will be better. And, you know, I, they thought that I would get, you know, a little bit more, uh, I guess, like flair, you know, to go with my name going into the draft. And so, okay. you know, I would say that I talked to my parents essentially. And then, you know, I talked to Coach Thompson as well. But at the end of the day, I felt like, you know, it was something – that uh, I felt very comfortable with. And then, of course, you know, when, you, when you make decisions like that, then everyone wants to kind of chime in or kind of, you know, give their perspective on the situation. I was, I would say after talking to my parents was when I decided to, you know, come back home pretty much or come, you know, come back to school. So, uh, yeah, that, that's like one thing I would say to any future, you know, person or player or whatever, like, if you truly, you know, believe in what you're capable of and, you know, you actually have an opportunity, I think you go at your, your gut, you know, gut feeling because, you know, those opportunities are, are slim and they're few and in between. So you want to take advantage of them when you do get the chance for sure. You bring up something interesting in that that I hadn't thought of and being older and I've sort of seen how it goes from there's no social media. Now there's just, you know, probably too much possibly depending on how you want to mm-hmm. look at it. As a player at Georgetown, you have, you're playing at the highest level in college basketball. You're at one of the best schools in the country. So the academics are a lot harder than they could be at different places. How much time do players in that moment have to dedicate to worrying about like, or, you know, searching my name on, you know, Twitter, you know, the internet Mm -hmm. and kind of seeing what people are saying. And, and also as a kid, how hard is it now you're, you've obviously grown up and, you know, you're Mm -hmm. a full man now. How 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 hard is it sometimes to realize that the people that might say kind of what you would think of crazy things are actually mm-hmm. your fans and just in that moment they can't handle themselves so basically to summarize yeah. how much time do you give do you think players give themselves to like look at that and then like do you kind of have to step back sometimes and be like what that person said might have, i might disagree with it but you know what they're just mm-hmm. some fan and this is a different thing for them right uh, I would say, you know, I didn't pay too much attention to it. Obviously, social media is a lot bigger now. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, did, I never really paid attention to it too much. I always believed in just, you know, faith first off and, you know, believing in my, my skills and my ability and the things that I work on. I mean, I, I was in the gym, you know, every day at 5, 6 o'clock. And, you know, like you said, you saw uh, at one point, you know, me and Markel Starks, uh, I thought – we were one of the best duos in college yeah. basketball, you know, at that at that point. And that was a result of us both getting in the gym at six in the morning and, you know, repetitively doing it even before practice, getting up shots and just things like that. And so you become, you know, uh, one with yourself, I would say, just in a, in a whole different space. The game is a lot slower. You know, you feel more comfortable naturally just doing pretty much anything, you know, and, and like I said, it's it's just all in good faith because I, I love the game, <laughs> you know, and right. um, I feel like that commitment, you know, if you can commit to it and you want to do that and be a part of that grind, then man, go with it. Go with it. What's sort of your involvement? Obviously, there's been a coaching change, but at the same time, it's not a complete change because mm-hmm. they, they stayed within the family. What's sort of mm-hmm. your current relationship with Georgetown? And this is something I talked to Chris Wright and Austin Freeman about during the summer. You were on the Jack Attack team. You had you had a great game. I think you guys might have <laughs> lost to Seton Hall. How wow. much would you how much would you like for that to become more of a constant thing? I know that the Georgetown fan base would love and I know that there's, you know, there's you know, there's a lot of factors that go into having a Jack Attack type team. What's sort of your involvement with the program still and going forward, how 
interested would you be in being a part of a the the basketball tournament team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely be interested in you know playing again or you know coaching whatever it is. Honestly, mm-hmm. like I'm still you know able to play and stuff like that. But as far as the program, honestly, I would love to go back and be an assistant or help out and you know recruit and do all that. I just love that you know that whole like part of the process. I would say and just you know, getting guys to truly believe and really understand and being able to provide the opportunity for them, you know, because at one point I was one of those young guys, you know, I just wanted the opportunity to show what I could do pretty much. And so, you know, I, I would love to do that. And I'm always going to be, you know, supportive of the Hoyas, regardless of, you know, whether they're good or bad, just because I've experienced those really good moments and I've experienced those really bad moments, you know? So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I I would love to, be a part of it as much as possible honestly when you were there was was othella harrington was he one of the director of basketball operation guys yep yep he was so so he was he he was the last guy that that you passed as you moved in you know i think you started your junior year as the 18th or you started your senior year as the 18th leading score and you ended up fifth was he ever giving you any sort of like hey look slow down buddy like maybe you should pass more like was was there any If you if you if you ask uh, any of our coaches at that point, I'm sure they all would have been like, "Yeah, he needs to pass more." So, <laughs> but uh, oh, I meant, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I all of those guys were very supportive of me, man. I mean, I felt like that uh, that opportunities, like I said, they don't come often. You know, there are guys who who have been there before me. There's guys who come after. You know, it just. Honestly, it's just about proving and just continuing to work. You know, and honestly, Coach Harrington, Othella Harrington, that is my guy, man. Yeah. I love Othella. I love Othella. You know, we, we used to go through some practice drills, and he would bang with the pad and stuff like that. And, you know, he's a strong guy. You know what I mean? He's a physical guy. And, I, you know, those are things that I enjoyed because he brought out, you know, that toughness, that grit, and, you know, me challenging myself to just be better. And, uh, you know, he would always tell me to take a couple steps in when I was shooting. I'm like, why would I do that? And, <laughs> and, he, and he would just laugh every time. And I'm like, man, look, you know, I, that's just the way we play now. You know, I was letting him know. I'm like, man, back in the day, you guys were all a lot of mid-range and, you know, you shooting occasional, occasional three. But, you know, now everyone, you know, can shoot for the most part. So I was like, I got to get him up. Well, you know, him telling you to take a couple steps in, that sounds like something that John Wallace might have wanted you to do as you were breathing down his neck. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> you came in, I think, I think your class was, was Bradley Hayes, Stephen mm-hmm. Domingo, and Brandon mm-hmm. Bolden. Most people kind of, I think from the outside, just assume that, you know, the same class, they kind of stick together. Are you still in contact with those guys? Are you guys all still friends? What's, what's uh, going on there? Yeah, we are, you know, we all are um, really good friends. You know, we, we talk really often and, you know, I talk to Brandon Bolden often and I talk to Bradley Hayes, who's still playing and Steven Domingo as well. He's doing really well. That guy's bulked up, honestly. Like he's a lot bigger than he was at Georgetown. I okay. remember he came in. I think, I think Steven was the youngest player in college basketball. I think. Yeah. Ever, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Something crazy. So I'm like, he was a kid, you know, he was, he was fairly young. Whereas like I was used to like really mature guys and, you know, physical guys and stuff like that. But yeah, I still keep in touch with those guys and, you know, they're all doing really well. So I'm happy about that. Where's Bradley playing? Oh, 
a great is he, is he in Germany, man? Yeah, he's in Germany right now. Before that, I believe he was in, I want to say Poland, maybe, for okay. like for a few months. But then, yeah, I know he's over in Germany now. So, yep. Okay, Devontae. Well, aside from being one of Georgetown's greatest players, I really loved to type your name. I was actually bringing it up at dinner. You have the apostrophe, you have the hyphen. It's just, for me, like, I'm before I even really got a chance to watch you in high school, I was like, you know, I really hope Georgetown gets this kid. I just love this guy's name. And obviously, you became much more than just a guy with a name. You became one of Georgetown's all-time greats. And now you've transitioned into music. His uh, single, No Names, is out there. And then on the 20th, this podcast being recorded on the 16th. On the 20th, he's going to have another single out there. DSR, one more time, if you want to tell people where to find that stuff. Yeah, so the track will be my, it's called My 21st. Um, it'll be released pretty much on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, you know, the usuals. And uh, yeah, hopefully you guys can enjoy and, you know, have a good time. Because, you know, with the way that the world is going right now, man, we all need a, a you know, just a solid evening to ourselves and, and enjoy it man and, and prayers to everyone and hopefully you guys enjoy we will and i'm not going to bug you anytime soon but i'm definitely going to get you back on here at some point is that cool okay. yep sounds good man sounds good all right thanks Devonte. yeah no problem thank you